God, our hearts go out to them, God, to Lance and Kathy and Spencer still there and the family, God, the whole family, Lord. This is a hard situation. But God, when we see things that seem so impossible, we, we remember that you are the God that makes all things possible. And Lord, I believe, God, that you will heal Kathy. I believe that she will be home, God. And so we pray, God, for a quick recovery in all this, Lord, that as she goes through this process, that you will heal her, but not only that, you'll heal her completely, Lord. God, we know that the doctors and nurses are caring for her, doing everything they can, but Lord, you are the great physician, and it is you who ultimately heals, and so we appeal to you, and we cry out to you for your healing touch upon Kathy. We rejoice, God, in the and the signs, the, your fingerprints, Lord, her eyes opening, God, her vital signs, uh, Lance was telling me, um, jumping, uh, going up when they're in there praying, God. And we know, Lord, that you are doing a work, and we believe in that. So we continue to ask, Lord, in your name, Jesus, that you would heal Kathy completely, quickly, God, and get her home soon. Lord, I pray for Lance, her husband, Lord, that you would comfort his heart. Help him, God, as he tries, God, to really submit and surrender to you everything, Lord. And it's hard. The emotions go up and down. But, Lord, you are his strength, God. You are his rock. And every time when it's hard, God, when he fears, when he doubts, Lord, as the psalmist said, when I, have, when I am afraid, I will trust in you. And so, God, help Help Lance to trust in you. We pray you give him the faith to hang on, to hold on, to keep his eyes locked on you, Jesus. Lord, we need your help even here, God, as we pray for her and our hearts just break, God, being so far away. But Lord, thank you that you are there, Lord. And may they both feel your presence, Lord. I pray, God, that there will be a strong sense of your presence, Lord, and that they would find comfort in that, security, and most of all, that they would find peace that you are there, Jesus. So we lift up Kathy to you, Lance and Spencer still there, and the whole family, God, that you continue to strengthen, give them peace, Lord, and help them to hang on in faith, knowing that you are working and you will completely heal Kathy. So... Lord, again, I ask in your name, Jesus. Jesus, heal Kathy. In Jesus' name. Lord, I also want to, as we pray, God, lift up, Lord, your word this morning. That you would bless it. That your spirit would anoint your word right now. God, give us ears to hear what your spirit is saying to us. Lord, you're already speaking. You're already moving. You've been here in the worship, God. You've been drawing us in and now draw us in into your word. So anoint this time with your spirit. And I ask that in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, if you can grab your Bibles, open them up to Jonah. Jonah chapter 3. We're back to the book of Jonah, continuing here our study through the book of Jonah. We've been taking a chapter each week, and now in this third Sunday here, we're in chapter 3 of the book of Jonah. Chapter 3. So if you can turn there, or a lot of you have iPads, phones, click over there, I guess I could say now. But Jonah chapter 3. I came across this headline. It went like this. 
Cat falls 26 stories, lives to purr again. I like that. This New York City cat walked out. The owner had inadvertently left this window cracked, which she said she normally doesn't do. But the cat, cat walked out the window not knowing there was a ledge there. And so when the cat walked out, uh, there wasn't a ledge, fell 26 stories. Can you believe that? Fell, but uh, the cat just broke a toe and the lower jaw. The cat survived 26 stories. Unbelievable. Guess what the name of the cat was? Lucky. Exactly. Lucky. Crazy. Huh? But I don't think it's, it's luck, right? I mean, God has their hand upon all of us in the creation. But we think about this, right? It's been said that cats have nine lives. I think that one has eight now left over. Somehow, cats seem to escape situations. And you can say that, well, maybe cats get second chances on life. One cat in Austria survived a week under the hood of a Mercedes-Benz. Can you believe that? Other than some singeing of her fur, the cat survived more than 300 miles of traveling under the hood of this car. This cat was trapped so deep in the engine compartment, the mechanic had to dismantle it to free the cat. Crazy. There's a lot of cat stories out there if you, you Google news on that. It's crazy. There's another cat here that got a second chance on life. But you know what I was thinking about? Isn't that the way God moves in our life? Isn't, isn't that the, the same sense that God gives you and I second chances in our life? I like what someone said. You never... You have never gone too far that God can't redeem you, restore you, forgive you, and give you a second chance. I love that. God truly is our God of second chances. So today as we return to our study in the book of Jonah, we find that Jonah and the people in the city of Nineveh find out this truth in the Lord. They both are finding second chances. And that's the title of our message this morning. Finding second chances. And here in our story, the second chance for Jonah is he gets to preach to, to Nineveh again. Remember, he ran from that. And so as I had like a subtitle of each chapter, uh, today is finding second chances. And the subtitle is the preaching prophet. Chapter 1, the subtitle was the prodigal prophet. Uh, last week we saw the praying prophet, he was in the belly of the whale, but today he's the preaching prophet, and next week as we get into chapter 4, he's going to be the pouting prophet. But for today, we have the preaching prophet, and both Jonah and Nineveh are finding second chances. Now, here in this chapter, we're going to see three things, and I've kind of broken up our passage here into three parts, and this is our points really. First of all, the change of mind. Secondly, the change of heart. And thirdly, the change of course. So that's the basic things we're going to be seeing here. So let's begin here in chapter 3. First of all, with Jonah, the change of 
mind. Finding second chances, number one in our outline, the change of mind. Now, here we're going to be looking at verses 1 to 3, and just the first part. That's why it says 3a, so the only first, the first part of that verse. So let's begin here in Jonah chapter 3, and take a look with me here, beginning at verse 1. The word of the Lord came to Jonah the second time, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and call out against it the message that I tell you. So, verse 3, Jonah rose and went to Nineveh according to the word of the Lord. And we'll stop right there. Now, we begin this morning in chapter 3, verse 1, with this one word, then. Then. And remember, we saw that even last week. But, but then tells us it's this continuation of this story. And something has happened before that because then this happens in what we'll see in chapter 3. Now, I want to remind you, I'm going to go back to chapter 2. Matter of fact, we'll go farther back to chapter 1 just in a summary and put in your mind or if you're coming in here and you missed the other messages. Remember, after... Uh, the Lord told Jonah to go to Nineveh, right? What did Jonah do in chapter 1? He ran, right? He ran the other way. He booked a ticket on a ship to, go the f- to head to the farthest place, 2,500 miles away, opposite of Nineveh, which was 550 miles uh, that he should have gone. So he went directly uh, in direct obedience, directly in that opposite direction of where God wanted him to go. Well, a storm came, right? And then he was thrown into the water to stop the storm. And as he was sinking, what happened? Well, this great sea creature, as the Hebrew kind of puts it, it could have been a great fish, it could have been a whale. We don't know for sure, but he was swallowed up by, say, this whale. And for three days and three nights, Jonah was in the belly of that great fish or whale. And so we saw that in chapter 1, and then that was the point when he finally hit bottom, and he saw his sin, saw his rebellion, and in chapter 2, he called out to the Lord. So after running away from God, after his direct disobedience, after being swallowed in a whale and spending three days, three nights, after that, Jonah finally called out to God, became the praying prophet from the prodigal prophet, right? And he turned his heart to God. We saw that last week. And then he finally turned his heart. He dedicated his life to the Lord. He returned. And then what happened? Well, the fish came and vomited Jonah on dry land. We saw that at the end of chapter 2. So now as we come to chapter 3, we see this word, then. So think about it this way. After all that Jonah did against the Lord, all that sin and rebellion, finally he hits bottom, returned to the Lord. Then we see in verse 1, the word of the Lord came to Jonah. So we're going to see, first of all, there's this message. This is the Lord's message to Jonah. Then, after all that he did wrong, then the Lord comes to Jonah, the word of the Lord, and he speaks to Jonah with this message. Now, this message, first of all, 
to me, is the most beautiful words, one of the most beautiful words in the Bible. It says, then, think about after all that he did, the word of the Lord came to Jonah, what? The second time. I love that. God comes to Jonah. He, he brings a message to Jonah. Yes, of course, we're going to see it's a message to go back to Nineveh. But just to see the word of the Lord came to Jonah the second time, I think is so beautiful. God does not hold back here. He does not, uh, I'm not talking to Jonah anymore. No, he comes to Jonah. He speaks to Jonah once again. God comes a second time to give Jonah a second chance. And here, what that is, is the Lord is recommissioning Jonah. The Lord is restoring Jonah to his ministry. The Lord is recalling him back for this mission he's supposed to be on. I mean, we should all be underlining this or highlighting this or writing this down because what encouraging words are these to this one who faltered in ministry, who faltered in his mission, who failed to listen to God. I mean, I think Jonah would have been happy enough just to be alive, right? He thought he was dying, we saw last week. He thought that he was the goner, but he was still alive in the belly of the whale. And then the, the, the whale vomits him on land, we saw in the last verse of last chapter. That probably would have been enough. Maybe Jonah thought his ministry was over. Maybe he thought as far as his mission goes, there's no hope for recovery. But God, we read here, then the word of the Lord came to Jonah the second time. I love that. We see here that our God is a God of second chances, isn't he? Don't we see that? Isn't this jumping out to our eyes right now? Psalm 30 verse 5 says, For his anger is but for a moment, and his favor is for a lifetime. Weeping may... uh, um, His favor is for a lifetime. Weeping may tarry for the night, but joy comes with the morning. This is Jonah's morning. Joy, I'm sure he was so blessed to hear God again, to hear God speak to him, to recommission him, to see God is a God of second chances. Now, I was thinking about this. You know, some people say, and we're in the Old Testament, right? Some people say, well, you know, in the Old Testament, the God of the Old Testament is characterized by being vengeful and judgmental. His wrath, you always see that. And then, well, the God of the New Testament His character is more loving and gracious. And so we generalize how we see God between the Old and New Testaments. But when you study the Old Testament, you you start to see God differently. We understand God is holy. We understand God is righteous. We understand He is just and He has to judge sin. Sin has to be judged. God's mercy and grace does not excuse our sin. But we also see in the Bible, we also see in the Old Testament that God gives second chances. And that's what we see here. This is the Old Testament, you guys. God came to Jonah a second time. The word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. I hope you will see God differently right now. I hope, not just I'm talking about the Old Testament, but I hope you'll see God differently now, that you see God's heart here right in what we're looking at. 
I hope that you will have, and I think God's trying to get to Jonah here, that you will have the change of mind on how God works with his children. Have a change of mind today on how God works with his children. Understand that today. You know, in the Old Testament, we read about Abraham, right? Remember how Abraham failed in faith and he fled. He ran away to Egypt. Right There he lied about his wife, Sarah. There he created trouble. But God gave him another chance. God forgave him. And he became, what, the father of the Hebrew nation. God didn't just put him aside. That's it. You're done. I can't use you. No, he became the father of the Hebrew nation. How about David? King David. We know about them. Old Testament again, right? We know how David committed adultery with Bathsheba. Murdered her husband committed murder, but God forgave him and God gave him another chance. Whereas his line that out of his heritage, he, it was, he was still chosen that out of his line would come who? The Messiah, Jesus Christ, right? So understand that God, God didn't give up on David. No, he forgave him, gave him a second chance. And of course, in the New Testament, I think about Peter, right? I mean, there's a lot of examples in the Bible we could go on and on. But, but Peter, who denied Jesus three times. Jesus didn't say, forget it, you're out. You're not going to be one of the 12. No, Jesus, actually when he resurrected, he said, go tell the disciples and Peter, to comfort him. Say, no. He met Peter, said, you know what? Feed my sheep. Tend to my, my lambs. Feed my sheep, right? He reinstated Peter as a minister for Jesus Christ, and he became, what, one of the leading apostles. After Pentecost, he was the one God chose to stand up before the, the people and preach Jesus Christ, and 3,000 souls were saved that day. Peter became one of the leading apostles. Did, did Jesus cast him aside? No, no, yeah, I'm not going to use you. No. So we have to change our mind on how God works with his children. And really, uh, God is trying to do this with Jonah. And we'll see more about that in the next chapter. But I, I believe God wants us to remember what's going on here. Not to excuse sin, but to understand and have a change of mind on how God works in our lives. I love this. J. Vernon McGee, he said this. God will not cast us aside for faithlessness. See that on the screen? That, that really hit my heart really hard. God will not cast us aside for faithlessness. When, when Jonah fell, we've been reading about this in chapter 1, God did not cast him aside. Not for his faithlessness. No. He worked in his life, right? We talked about he worked in the storm to try and get him to turn. He worked when it was exposed that he was the reason for the storm and the trouble. He still did not turn. He was thrown into the ocean. He was sinking. He still not, didn't turn. He got swallowed by a whale. He still did not turn. But after three days and three nights, he finally hit bottom. That was the process God had to put him through because God was still reaching out to him. God was still trying to save him. And finally, he hit bottom and he turned to the Lord. And now he's back on land. His life is saved. But God's like, 
you know what? I'm giving you a second chance. So child of God, child of God, know this today. God has not cast you aside. So you know what that means? That means we need to stop wallowing in our regrets and in our condemnation. We need to get up, move forward. We need to, you know what? This morning, God is holding his hand out to you. That's what he's doing. He's saying, come, come on. I'm, uh, therefore, there's no condemnation in those who are in Christ Jesus, Romans 8. 1. Come, get up, come. I want to work in your life. Let's get going. So we see this, the God of second chances, verse 1. And we need to change our mind about that. Well, as we read in verse 2 and 3, God then gives Jonah this commission. He says, arise now. Go to Nineveh. Go call out against this city. Go to this great city. Remember, Nineveh is a great city. Uh, It's one of the largest cities in the world at that time. It's the capital of Assyria, the uh, Assyrian nation there. And so the Lord calls out. And, and, and so Jonah is to take this message, right? So this is Jonah's message uh, from the Lord. The Lord's saying, look, you've got to take this message to, to Nineveh. Now, then it says here, after God gives his mission, his commission once again in verse 3, so Jonah arose and went to Nineveh according to the word of the Lord, according to what God said. Now, notice, God says, to arise, right? And here, Jonah arose. Now, notice how different what we're reading here in chapter 3 than it was in chapter 1. Remember, the Lord basically said the same thing. Arise, Jonah, and go to Nineveh. And what did Jonah do? He arose, and he ran away the opposite way. But here we read this amazing thing. Jonah's a new person, right? In chapter 3, the Lord said, Arise, go to Nineveh, preach this message. And what do we see here? Jonah arose and what? Went to Nineveh. He went according to the word of the Lord. He obeyed what God is telling him to do. God had worked in his life and so much so, he finally hit bottom. He turned his life around. Now he knows, I got to obey This time, Jonah responds differently. He learned his lesson. And I believe this. His mind is made up now. I'm going to obey God in whatever he tells me to do. Now, we're going to see in the next chapter, his heart isn't fully there. But in his mind, he's like, bro, I'm not going to get in this storm again. I'm not going to be swallowed by a whale again, right? I I don't want to go through that. So his mind is made up. Obedience. That's the key here, obedience. So Jonah now has the change of mind, which is doing what God asks. That's his change of mind. I'm going to be obedient. I'm going to do everything that God asks. And so we see Jonah changing here, this change of mind in him. It's not like before. You know, I was, um, when I was sick um, the other week after we got back from our, our trip in uh, California, um, I, would, I would basically try and, you know, sleep in, uh, trying to get 
uh, the rest I needed to heal. And usually I wake up pretty early, but uh, being sick, you know, you're just sick. And so I thought, well, I got to give my body rest. I got to give it time to heal and, and, and all that. And, and after I, was, I got well and everything was good, you know what happens? I got used to sleeping in, right? And it's like, oh, even with the alarm, it's like, ah, oh. I just turned the alarm off. I usually set it on my, my Apple Watch and it vibrates. And, and you know, there's some morning I was like, I'm just trying to turn it off and I just go back to sleep. And I usually set like two or three alarms too. And it's like, I think the third one, I just, I didn't even know it. It went, I go, whoa, it went off, you know, kind of thing. But you, you get used to that, you know, you sleeping in and everything. But I knew I had to get back to what God had called me to do, was asking me to do, wake up early, spend time with them in the early morning hours. And so I had to conquer my own flesh. I had to conquer what I felt like doing. I mean, you know, it's colder now, yeah, wintertime. And it's, oh, it's so nice. You don't want to get, a, get out from under the covers, right? But I had to conquer what I feel like. And so I made up my mind. I said, nope. No, I made up my mind. I'm not going to do what maybe my body feels like or what my flesh may feel like, but I am going to put it in my mind. I'm going to do this thing. And you know what? That's where it starts. It starts in our mind, you guys. Obedience starts in our mind. Understand that. It's putting it in, making up our mind, putting it in our mind. No, I'm going to choose in my mind to do this. Turn over to uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 10 and kind of understand this battle that goes on inside our head so many times. So if you can turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 10, uh, we're going to look at verse 4 and 5. But as a matter of fact, back up to verse 3. It says here, For though we walk in the flesh, we are not waging war according to the flesh. There's a spiritual battle. There's things going on. Verse 4, For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but have divine power to destroy strongholds. And these strongholds really, they're in our minds. They really are. Because in verse 5 now, it says we destroy arguments. What's that? In our mind. Every lofty opinion raised against what? The knowledge of God in our minds, right? And then it says here, and take every what? Thought captive to obey Christ. You see, the battle is in our minds, you guys. We got to take those thoughts, those things in our mind that aren't obedient to Christ and take it captive, uh, imprison it, yeah? Put it in chains, say, nope, you're going to obey God. You're going to obey the word. And for me, it was, you know what? Body, too bad. In my mind, it's like, oh, I feel like sleeping. No, that thought, a stain in my warm bed when my alarm goes off, when God called me to seek him early in the morning and pray and read and have my devotions. You know what? I'm going to take that thought captive. I just want to stay here. So we need to understand there's a battle in our minds. And with that, that's where it starts. Obedience starts here in our minds. Here's the thing. If God is giving you a second chance, you know what? Don't waste it. Don't waste it. You know, start with making up your mind to obey 
the word of God. All right, well, let's go on here now to number two. This is Jonah finding second chances, and we have to have that change of mind. But number two in our outline is this, the change of heart, the change of heart. And here we're going to be covering the second part of verse three all the way to verse nine, our largest section here this morning. Take a look with me here, the second part of verse three. It says here, Now Nineveh was an exceedingly great city, three days' journey in breadth. Jonah began to go into the city, going a day's journey, and he called out, Yet forty days, and Nineveh shall be overthrown. And the people of Nineveh believed God. They called for a fast and put on sackcloth from the greatest of them to the least of them. We'll stop there. Now, we see here Nineveh is this great city. Uh, the Lord already mentioned that. Uh, Jonah, go to Nineveh, this great city. It was great. Remember, I, I mentioned that in chapter 1, uh, how that uh, it's a, it was the largest city of that time. The walls, they say, were 60 miles long around the city. They were 100 feet high. They, they say that there's 1,200 watchtowers on the walls. It, the walls are so wide in its thickness that they would race three chariots across on top of the wall. So it, it's huge. It's the largest city of that time. They say 600,000 plus people. Some, I, heard, I read numbers of maybe like six, six 650, 700. I'll just say 600 plus in the population. So it was a very large city. So large that we read here that um, it's three days journey in breadth. So to get through this city, it takes three days, you know, to walk through this city back then. And so Jonah goes in now. Jonah goes, he began to go into this city. And, and some say, remember, it was if, he, if the whale vomit him at, say, Joppa, it would have been like 550 miles to Nineveh. So maybe it took a month for him to travel there. But he's finally there. Jonah began to go into the city, verse 4, giving a day's journey. In other words, a day into the journey or the first day into the journey, Jonah begins to preach the message of God. And so there he is. He's starting out right away preaching the the message in that first day and into that uh, day's journey. And then he's going to go out through the whole city. But something happens right away in that first day. So he preaches, yet 40 days and Nineveh shall be uh, overthrown. Uh, Overthrown there in original language means turned over. Basically judged and destroyed. Yeah. Now, I don't know if he said more with that message. It could be uh, commentators speculate that there was more to that message that isn't written down here. But in sort of what we'll see in the next chapter, maybe that was all that Jonah, Jonah said. He said basically what God had told him to say. Uh, maybe God told him more. Maybe it's not there. But we get the gist of it. Hey, you guys, in 40 days, you're going to be toast. In 40 days, the city is going to be destroyed. He gets right to the point in preaching this message. So this is Jonah's message now to the Ninevites. Well, what happened? How did the people respond? Well, verse 5, the people of Nineveh, what? They believed God. And then they, they called for a fast, put sackcloth uh, from, from young to old, the greatest elite, uh, least to 
to, to the oldest, to the youngest, to the richest, to the poorest, uh, people started to fast and put on sackcloth. So we, we see the people responded. They believed, first of all, that what was being said by Jonah as truth. Now here's Jonah walking in, right? They took him for his word. They didn't like check on their phones. Oh, is this really true? Is this conspiracy? Or No, well, it wasn't that. But you know what I think? I think, can you imagine Jonah walking into that city. Here's this preacher with his skin all bleached and blotched from, from living three days and three nights in that belly of a whale. I mean, he probably looks crazy, right? Maybe his hair's been like all weird and burned or whatever, you know, or half gone or something. But, but it, 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 you know, they probably like, whoa. And I'm sure what happened, people heard and probably that news of what he went through also Reach Nineveh before Jonah ever did. There's probably like, that's that guy. Look at him. Oh, it is him. Look at his, look how he looks. Look at his face. Look, you know, only one eyebrow or whatever, yeah, is going on. Someone said, if you were to ask the big fish what Jonah tasted like, what would he say? The fish would say a Hebrew national. Well, maybe we don't know how he tastes like, but he must have looked pretty gross, right? So that just added to his message. That just said, whoa, you know, oh, this is for real. That, and here he is and everything, all that. So they believed in what Jonah was saying. But not only that, they humbled themselves. And I believe with this fasting and sackcloth, they confessed their sin. Uh, fasting is showing we're not going to eat, you know, that, no, God, we want to repent. We're, we're turning our lives around. The sackcloth is a coarse goat hair uh, that you wear, makes you feel uncomfortable, like when you're mourning or when you're repenting. And so we see with the fasting and uh, the sackcloth, they were signs of repentance, you guys. It says they believe, but they showed that belief by what? By fasting and wearing the sackcloth. They were showing that they, they were turning their lives around. Repentance is what? Oh, doing a 180, right? Getting off the path you're on and getting on the path toward God. And so that's what they were showing in all of this. They believe and they show, show these signs of repentance. Well, let's go on here in verse 6. The word reached the king of Nineveh. He arose from his throne, removed his robe, covered himself with sackcloth, and sat in ashes. And he issued a proclamation and published through Nineveh, by the decree of the king and his nobles, let neither man nor beast, herd nor flock, taste anything. Let them not feed or drink water, but let man and beast be covered with it with sackcloth, and let them call out mightily to God. Let everyone turn from his evil way and from the violence that is in his hands. Who knows, maybe God may turn and relent and turn from his fierce anger so that we may not perish. So the king now gets word what's going on. The king perhaps even hears Jonah with his own ears, maybe sees Jonah with his own eyes, sees what's going on. There's a movement happening here, and the king gets on board here. He got up from his throne. He covered himself with sackcloth, and here we read, 
ashes, which is another sign of like mourning or mourning your sin, another sign of repentance. And he, not only did he uh, do that himself, he issued this proclamation. He put out this order now that everyone, he made it official, is to repent before the true and living God that Jonah worships, that perhaps this may not happen to us. It's interesting he also proclaimed to not have the animals, right? Uh, I mean, to have the animals also join in on this sign of repentance. And I was reading back then ancient times that uh, in times of mourning, many times they involved the animals in that region of, you know, putting sackcloth. And, and they're all part of it as a show of where their heart is. So this is what's happening with the whole nation here, the whole city, the Lee, the king, everybody, the city, the people, everything. The whole city is coming and falling before God, believing, humbling themselves, and believing that God's going to do this. God, this is, this is going to happen. And as the king says, who knows, God may turn and relent. Let everyone turn from evil in verse 8. You know, that we need to repent from our violence. Remember the Assyrians were the worst people in war, where they cut people up, cut off noses, prisoners. I mentioned that in chapter 1. And so they were a very wicked city, but now they're turning from that sin, and perhaps God may see and turn from bringing judgment. You know what's awesome here is in this message, they had what? 40 days, right? 40 days, 4 zero to repent. God could have just came and said, you got one day. God could have just came and said, you have no days. You're done. But God is a God of second chances. And in that 40 days, again, we see God's mercy and grace. You know, what... What's amazing to me is they didn't just hear the message. They didn't just hear the message once, right? They immediately repented, truly repented in a visible way, showing their heart. And, and I would say, and many other commentators agree, that what we're reading here, the whole city turning and repenting, giving their heart to the Lord, it's probably the biggest revival ever in history that happened all at once. Can you imagine? 600,000 plus people, the whole city, boom, turning to the Lord. What a turnaround of their hearts. So with Nineveh, the change of heart was truly evident. Do you see that? The change of heart was truly evident. You know, no wonder... Jesus, Jesus saw this, I'm sure, God, right? Jesus knew about how quickly they turned around. Jesus, no wonder, in Matthew 12 said that at the judgment, the people of Nineveh will stand up to condemn the Israelites for their failure to repent. That was Matthew chapter 12, verse 39 41. Israel had Jesus right there with them. Jesus was right there walking among them, teaching, preaching, yet they weren't turning. Yet here's Jonah, only a servant of God, coming in, and the Ninevites heard it once, and they 
repented and showed that repentance. No wonder Jesus said that. But we see the change of heart was truly evident. And isn't that the way it should be? We can say, yeah, I believe God. Yeah, God, I'll follow you. But will you show it? By what? Like John the Baptist said in Matthew 3, 8, bear fruit in keeping with repentance. Truly, if we're repentive, then we need to show that. We need to truly turn our life around and give our heart to Jesus. All right, so Nineveh was truly repenting in hopes of finding second chances. And we see the change of mind, the change of heart. And now let's go to number three, the very last verse uh, in our chapter, the change of course, the change of course. Verse 10, when God saw what they did, how they turned from their evil way, God relented of the disaster that he had said he would do to them, and he did not do it. How beautiful is that? Right? I mean, we see God is a God of second chances. He came a second time in verse 1 to Jonah. But now in verse 10 at the end, there's another beautiful verse. And it begins here in verse 10. When God saw what they did, he saw, he took notice. You know what? It mattered to the Lord. And seeing that. It mattered to him. It wasn't like he puts out the message and he, he's already going to do what he's going to do, right? That it didn't matter. No. I could see God's heart here. God is waiting. God is hoping. God is, 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 is looking at them. What are you guys going to do? And God saw what they did. It mattered to the Lord. And he was looking for that change of the heart. The change of the heart. And so the Lord gives this message to Nineveh, basically saying, all right, I forgive you. When God saw what they did, how they turned from their evil way, they repented. God relented of that disaster that he said he's going to do. He, he relented. That word basically means he changed course. Yeah? He changed course. They were heading this way. If they didn't repent, this was already what was going to happen, what God was going to do. But with this word relented, it means he changed course. In what? Response to Nineveh's response. And God's response was to cancel the judgment. To cancel. And here we see this message, right? God is giving them that second chance. God's response was to give mercy and grace here. God's response was to give second chances. Now, let's stop for a moment. Some, some people say, wait, how could God relent? Or some other uh, translations, God change, or, or even says repent, you know. Um, I think relent's a better word. And as I define it, he, it, it does mean change. And he changed course. I, put, I add that on there. But some people say, wait, wait, how, how can God, like, change? I mean, didn't he say, according to his word, that he was going to destroy Nineveh in 40 days? How, how can God go back on his word? Well, let me explain it this way. We know God will not sin, let sin go. We, we understand that. But we've also been seeing God's mercy and grace. So we know 
in his character and attributes that God is a holy God. He's a just God. Yeah. And, but also in his character, there's grace. There's love. There's compassion. Also in his character that he's patient with us, right? Also that, that you know, he, he could have wiped the whole world out, right? He could have wiped all of Israel. Remember uh, when they were worshiping the, the golden calf and God had given, just given them the, the Ten Commandments and come down, they're doing all that. And God's like, you know, I'm going to wipe them all out. Moses, I'm going to restart with you. And Moses said, no, um, um, please, you know, let's forgive and give them grace, give them another chance. So God did. He also relented at that point. So we see God's character here in play. Yes, he's just. Yes, he'll do what he says. Yes, he'll judge sin. And actually, 150 years later, Nineveh went back to sin and they were destroyed. And that was um, Nahum uh, and the next book over so that, that God sent uh, Nahum, but they didn't repent then. But at this time, we see this other side of God, his character of grace and mercy, compassion and patience coming out. And here, here's what I think. Yes, God said that in 40 days, Nineveh will be destroyed. But also in his will, I'm going to put that word out, in his will, God factors in, he also factors in a person's ability and free will to choose to repent. Understand that. Understand how God works here. This is his will. Listen to what Jeremiah 18, 7 through 8 says. If at any time I declare concerning a nation or a kingdom that I will pluck up and break down and destroy it, verse 8 of Jeremiah 18 says, And if that nation concerning which I have spoken turns from its evil, I will relent of the disaster that I intended to do to it. So it's not just Nineveh, you guys. We understand that. We see it in the Old Testament, right? So in God's will, he factors in the possibility of a city, of a king, of people. He factors in their ability and free will to choose to repent. And if they do, this is where he shows mercy and Grace. Maybe I should say it this way. The Lord factors in the possibility of repentance. That's God's heart, isn't it? Is, doesn't he desire that all to be saved? Doesn't he desire that people would turn from their ways? Isn't that what we read in the New Testament? Let me put it this way. God has factored in second chances. The Lord has factored in second chances. Isn't isn't this our theme, you guys? Remember our theme for the whole book of Jonah? God's grace and mercy toward wayward hearts. And that's what we see coming out here. So our last point, the change of course shows, you know what? God's contingency plan. That's what I call it. God's contingency plan. It's part of his will. It's part of what he does. It, it, it's part of how he works. Yeah, if people don't turn, eventually, yeah, judgment's going to come. But we know God continues to work and reach out, even bring us 
through situations, to situations, and in situations to break us, to, to get us to a point where we're, we're, we're broken of our pride, our selfishness, our sin, our rebellion, to give us that chance to turn around, to give us a second chance to follow him. That's the Lord. And he will, because of his mercy and grace and love, he will change the course because he has this contingency plan. We know this verse, don't we? Second Chronicles seven fourteen. If my people who are called by my name humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, turn now, then I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sin and heal their land. We know that verse. We pray it, right? We pray for our own country in that way. We, we apply it to our own lives. This is what's happening right here. You know, when the Lord gave this, it was when Solomon had just finished building the temple, right? The first glorious grand temple. And he was in prayer to the Lord after sacrifices and after this whole big ceremony, God descended, his presence was there. And the Lord spoke to him. And the Lord told him, like, you know what? There's going to come a time when this nation, Israel, who's all for God right now, is going to go after idols. They're going to go into their wicked ways. But you know what? If my people, if they would turn, if they'd seek my face, I'm going to hear and I will forgive them and I will heal their land. See, that's God's contingency plan that he has. That's his will. That's what he does. He gives second chances. This is our Lord, you guys. This is the Old Testament. See, God's not just this big, vengeful, you know, judgmental kind of God that everyone generalizes in the Old Testament. No, I see mercy and grace. I'm so glad God is merciful. I'm so glad God is patient. Aren't, aren't you? I mean, I, I'm, I'm glad. Uh, you'll be glad that I'm not God, right? Because I'm not always like that. You know, when we're on the mainland and we we're driving out in California, and it, it's, it's crazy driving there, right? First of all, the speed limit is like 65, even 70 in some sections. And so I know you guys, even though the speed limit says 70, you drive 75, maybe 80, some of you, right? Me, I'll go, well, 75, I'll, I'll squeak a little bit more. But fast, everyone drives so fast. Well, there's this one time we were driving, and I uh, couldn't believe it. Uh, we're driving just, you know, going speed limit, 65 or maybe it was 70. All of a sudden, this car comes up going faster. And, and, and he cuts over in front of us. And because there was another car, like, blocking in the other lane. And he cuts over really close. And it, it was like, we're going to hit. And remember I told you these new cars, the seat vibrates. Oh, my seat was vibrating, you know, and the proximate, proximity sensors. It's like, oh, but it was, it was scary because we, we were already going fast. And then this other car was going even, who knows, 80, 90, I don't know, you know, even faster and just cutting over in front of me into our lane. Oh, you know, when things like that happen, right? I mean, it's like everyone's like, whoa, we're, we're yelling first reaction but the second reaction is like you're mad what how could you do that how can you drive like that you know first thing my thought was where's the highway patrol where's the cops they need to get that guy they need to pull him over 
right? First thing I'm looking, oh, no, no one's there. You know, I mean, right, for some reason, bad drivers, they really irk you and yell out, whatever. Uh, um, uh, you know, arrest him. Justice needs to happen right now. That's what we think, right? But there was no police. And the guy lived to drive another day. <laughs> but I, I was thinking, aren't you glad I'm not God? If I was God, I was like, that's it. Justice. You almost killed us. You, you're driving too fast. You're breaking the speed limit. Even though maybe I was a couple miles over. But it's still, you're bad. You're wrong. What if God was more like me? What if God was more like us? None of us would be here, would we? None of us. None of us. We all deserve judgment. One sin would bring just judgment from the Lord. But God is merciful. But God is gracious. But God is patient. But God give us, gives us second chances, you guys. Second chances. No wonder someone said, every moment of your life is a second chance. Amen? Well, as we close, I'm so glad that God's mercy and, and grace are abundant. Yeah? I'm, I'm, I'm blessed. I'm, I'm, I'm so uh, uh, just thank you, God. Appreciative. I wouldn't be here. None of us would be here. Lamentations 3, um, uh, 22, verse 23 says, The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. Maybe for you today, you know what? This is a new morning. Come to Jesus. Be forgiven. He wants to give you a second chance. He, he's there. His arms are, are out there wanting you to come to him. And I, I pray as we close in a song that you give your life back to the Lord or you give your heart to the Lord if it's for the first time. Because God is waiting. And this is what it's about in our life with God. A Scottish minister, George H. Morrison, said this, the victories um, of Christian life is a series of new beginnings. These new beginnings come from the God of second chances. I'll close with this. Back in 2006, a man named David Pott Start, uh, was the starting guard for Utah State basketball team. This is a miracle because David had previously served eight years in prison for a crime he committed in his senior year in high school. What happened was the coach, Stu Morrow, who actually him and his wife dedicated their lives in giving people second chances, like they've had over 50 foster children in their homes. Well, he offered David a scholarship he got a second chance. David confesses that he messed up, uh, but prison, he says, was the best thing that ever happened to me. And then he, he said this in this article. I had a chance to change my life, and I did. The article goes on to say that David 
wears a number two on his uniform. Why? To remind him that this is his second chance. You know, I don't know if the coach or David are believers, but I'm sure God has his hand in it. For this is our God. This is your God. This is what he does. This can be your God if you come back to the Lord or give your life to him. This is what God does. And so we see with Jonah as with Nineveh, we can all be finding second chances. Let's pray. God, it is our heart, Lord, right now to receive what you are telling us, God. Sometimes our own perspectives, our own emotions can get in the way, but but Lord, your your word is plain. Your, Your word tells us right now that you came a second time to Jonah, that you relented of destroying the the Ninevites there, God, that you are merciful and gracious. We see this in this chapter. Sometimes we don't accept that, Lord. Sometimes in our own regrets and in our own condemnation that we get caught up in, Lord, we forget that even the God of the Old Testament is merciful, gracious, loving, and waiting for us to turn totally to him. Pray for anyone here, Lord, that is in this place like Jonah, that is hitting bottom, Lord, that you'd help them give up, Lord, their own self, their pride, their own expectations, their, their, them, Lord, self, me, I. Lord, we know with the death of ourself comes life, and that's life in you. God, I pray for anyone that doesn't know you and hears what you're saying, senses what your spirit is doing, that they would give their life to you, even as we sing. And God, help us all, Lord, to take these truths about you and let it move us, drive us, God, to take the second chance and not wallow anymore of our past, what we did. Let not regret be a chain and put us in bondage when you, Christ, have died and rose again to set us free. God, it's by your blood we're forgiven, not what we do, not doing works. It's your blood that sets us free from our past. So Lord, help us all to move forward, to come to you now, Lord. Thank you, God. Help us to come to you with the second chances you're giving us. In Jesus' name, amen.